He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Tyler Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Jim Woodward going to be joining us later in the show. Quade Cummins also coming off a great start on the Corn Ferry Tour. will be joining us later in the show, the former Sooner, so make sure you stick around for that. We'll talk about his game, probably talk a little bit about Jimmy getting the regional and the chances for the Sooners going forward, see how he likes his squad's chances at Greyhawk this year. Fellas, it was the Mexico Open at Vedanta. It was mostly boring for four days. It was a wide open golf course with no trouble anywhere <laughs> except where Camera Champ hit it on number eight. Yep. John Rom gets it done, wins the tournament, doesn't sniff number one in the world because A, he was way far behind Scotty Scheffler. Way far. That's that's a good phrase on Monday morning. B, you don't get very many points for winning a tournament where the strength of field is approximately 120, 160, whatever the case was. So uh, John Rom gets it done. Yesterday, over uh, the likes of Kurt Kitayama, Tony Finau shot a 63, Brandon Wu shot a 63, got close. But in the end, it was John Rahm picking up his first win since last summer's U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, John Rahm hit three big pulls on the back nine, and none of them really cost him that much, right, Colby? I mean, it's <laughs> especially just... on 18, and then he kind of semi-duffs the shot where the ball's way below his feet and the ball didn't roll down into the bunker. And it just kind of trundles through the waist area yeah, like he you were talking it through about the dirt it literally <laughs> bounced it through the dirt and then had an easy little flip 52 degree in um and then putted it up to an inch and didn't mark his ball and get, <laughs> let the other guys finish out first um so you know it whatever it was fine john rom wins and that's good news for southern hills i guess right t-dub yeah i definitely think so anytime we can have the biggest names in the game starting to get a little bit of form i, I understand the strength of field was absolutely god-awful. I kind of made the joke earlier in the week that, you know, we talk all the time, guys, about the PGA Tour wanting to limit the schedule. And I feel like if we did that, this is the kind of event that we'd have when it comes to, like, Corn Ferry Tour, you know, where, like, maybe one guy on the tour or whatever goes out and decides to play it. And that's kind of what we saw here. I think the deal was approximately 151, to be exact. One of the worst we've seen on the PGA Tour. But going back to Rom, guys, I really like what I saw in the last couple holes from him when it comes to his putter. You know, so on 14, he made an 11-footer for birdie. And then, I believe, on 15, he made a 6-footer for birdie. And so, you look on it, too, early in the back nine as well, guys. I mean, he missed, what was it, a 6-footer or something like that? Yeah, 6-footer on number 10. So, he definitely had some chances. And I believe he 3-putted number 12 as well. So, it looked like we've talked forever, guys, about how Rom's putter has really let him down. And it looked like he was going to start to let him down that back nine, guys. But making those two clutch putts on 14 and 15, I really think not only solidified the fact that he was going to win the tournament, but also gives him a lot of confidence going into um, the next few weeks, guys, especially uh, Southern Hills, like you mentioned. Sam. Yeah, yesterday on the uh, radio show, we said Rom or the field. You you guys both took Rom. I took the field. And I actually felt pretty good about my field prediction until John Rom made that putt on 14. Because that moment, yeah. he runs the chip by. It's a little bit of a breaker. He hadn't been putting great. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, he gets out of here with par. Maybe Champ makes birdie. You never know what happens. But then Rom rolls in that. I think it was like an 11-footer for birdie there on number 14. And at that point, kind of seemed like he was in control of things. Uh, he nearly messed up the 18th hole, which should set up perfectly for him. But, you know, like you said, Sam, even whenever you make a mistake at that golf course, they're just – weren't too many holes where you were penalized. I, I saw some guys. How about all, the shot Kitayama hit on 18, by the yep, way? Yep, Kitayama <laughs> just launching it up through the trees uh, and then aimed about eight feet too far right on his bunker shot. But, yep. you, you know, not a lot of trouble at that golf course. I, I do feel like at some points that took a little bit away from it, from me, because – I don't know. I just I, I kind of felt like they were playing Hefner North out there and uh, just blowing it into opposite fairways and let's just play it from wherever we can play it. You can say that, but we've had other courses, numerous courses this year, where the winning score has been lower, number one. And number True. two, it did provide us the, the best player in the field winning the tournament. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The uh, 
Green's a little different past Palum. Yeah. Sticky Green's. We saw a lot of guys leaving putt short. John Rom Taylor, first probably five holes yesterday, looked really uncomfortable on the greens. Uh, and then, like you said, on the back nine, he started to figure it out. So, I don't know. I mean, even even John Rom, number two in the world, trying to win for the first time in nearly a year, I thought there were some nerves early in the round. Well, the past Palum comment you meant, Cole, makes good sense. You know, we talked yesterday on the radio show, and even look at it now, there was only two guys in the top 20 that lost strokes game putting around those greens. So, I think that the past Palum, well, it, it was one of those things where you either got used to it, you knew how to do it, because that's the type of grass guys, they don't see very often, if at all, on the PGA Tour. So it's definitely a unique substance. And there are a few courses. I believe the Met, I was reading something about the medalist has, uh, past Palum. So there's a few courses where guys can be members at and know how to play it. But at the same time, it's a tough course to, um, or a tough type of grass, I mean, just to get adjusted to on the fly. So I think that had a lot to do with it. But, you know, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it's just like you mentioned, Kobe, with Rom in the sense of he hasn't been able to win. What was your stat yesterday? One out of six when he had a 54-hole uh, lead? It was actually – I, I misspoke. That actually was including the Memorial. So if you throw the Memorial out, it was one out of five. Uh, so now it would be two out of six. 33% sounds a lot better than 20%. Okay, but I want to talk about that for a second. I don't put a whole lot of stock into into that because, to me, I think that John Rom, number one, he's a different player than he was – a couple of those tournaments that are counting in that five when he was a little bit younger. He's a little bit more mature. Um, and, you know, obviously it doesn't count the Memorial, so it should be two wins. Not right? necessarily. Not necessarily. There were 18 holes but left. There were 18 holes that's to play. Fair. That's fair. But what I'm saying is probably would have won that golf tournament. Probably. Probably. And Daniel, then, Daniel Berger probably should have won the Honda this year when he led by five through 54 And then holes. even though he – didn't play his greatest golf yesterday. He still got the job done. I yeah. think that there's there's many areas of John Rahm's game where I wouldn't say that he struggles to close out golf tournaments. I really think that he's pretty clutch coming down the stretch. I mean, just look at what he did at the U.S. Open. I think that there's other guys on the PGA Tour that I put on the list of can't close it out over John Rahm. Yeah, Tyler, how do you feel about John Rahm as a closer, just just in general? 10,000-foot view, looking at John Rahm as a closer. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to throw him in the Louis Oosthuizen category just yet. I think he's worn <laughs> a little bit too much to throw him in that category. But you know, I will say this. I mean, I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle between you guys. I think that – well, I, I don't – I think Rahm's obviously going to be a multi-time major champion, going to win millions and millions of more dollars throughout his career. I do see a little bit of – Hit, um, what, what would be the way to phrase it? I guess kind of tendons this when it comes down the stretch in some tournaments. I think in the yeah. U.S. Open was a little different because he, he made those putts coming down the stretch like we talked about. But there are sometimes guys where he doesn't either hit his driver like he should or it's almost like each round that he has bad when it's the final round, it's like one area of his game that goes away, right? So it seems like normally it's the putter, but sometimes he's not able to drive it like he was. He hits a lot of kind of uh, double-cross pulls that don't come back. So I don't know, guys. I think I'm somewhere in the middle of y'all two when it comes to comes to Rom. I, I think it's, this isn't something that's going to hinder hindrance his career or anything. And he proved yesterday he is able to win, even though it is a lower strength of field. So I don't know, guys. Somewhere in the middle between where y'all two are debating him. Yeah, to me, T Dub and Colby. Colby, I guess you can take this one, but to me, it's one of those scenarios where the stats don't necessarily match the eye test. I, I don't necessarily see him getting too tentative coming down the stretch. I mean, just look at yesterday. Even though he didn't putt very well, he lost over half a shot on the field putting. He still just put the ball where he needed to put it to win the golf tournament. Even when he hit a bad drive on 18, just, you know, trundled it through the hard pin, got his par, yeah. and got out of there. Little tap-in par for the win. That's some Chickasha golf, by the way. That really is. Just play a little puncher out of the trees, through the hard pan, out into some grass. Right. That's, that's Chickasha style. Exactly. But my point is, I don't see Colby, John Rahm, reeling down the stretch. I, I, I just don't see it. I, so, I, I no means, by no means think that he's like a choke artist. I guess that I'm comparing him down the stretch relative to his talent level. And the stats back you up. I mean, because, I, I, I can't argue with that, but what I'm saying is there's certain instances where the stats don't tell the full story. No, I think so too, and I, I think that John Rahm is so good, so talented, you know, hits it a mile, doesn't seem like there's a ton of weaknesses in his game until this year with the putter, but even before this year, the putter hasn't been an issue. John Rahm's been right. a, a 
good to to great to great putter at times in his career. So I think that I'm almost sometimes comparing him relative to what I think he should be. Right, and maybe that's my fault for expecting him to go out and be a guy who wins three times a year because. He, he's not a guy who wins three times a year. He's a guy who wins one time a year. You got to remember how young he is too. He's Even what, though twenty seven now. Yeah, he he was born in nineteen ninety four. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he's way younger than he looks, and the fact that you know he has the wife and kid and kind of the big build, you think he's thirty, but yeah. he's not. He won't be twenty eight until November. So obviously, John Rahm has a ton of career left. He's still got more winning to do on the PGA Tour, more major championships. Maybe so, maybe no. Uh, I don't know. It's. When you start talking about major championships, I think we assume that all these great players are going to keep winning more. But then I looked at the history of golf, and like Rory got hot and then just stopped winning. Them. Same what? with Spieth. DJ, DJ took what fourteen years Colby, on tour to get to two. And Colby, take the history out of it because in the history of golf, we've never seen this many elite players on the PGA Tour yeah. than we have right now. Yeah, I don't know, Taylor. Do you think that that maybe I and maybe some others? hold guys like John Rahm who are super talented to too high of a standard based on what we think they could be? I, I'm going to say no, just because like you, like the guys you mentioned there, right? Like, like Rory. Okay. Like, yes, he cooled off, but he got the four majors. Same with Kepka. Um, Spieth has three, right? And Rahm only has one. I think the only other comparison in there, and obviously there's a little bit more time when it comes to DJ, but that's really the only one that I, I see the right comparison there because Rahm still has the one currently. And DJ has got the one at uh, Oakmont, and then it took him another four years to win at Augusta. So, I don't know. I, I think that we see so many guys, like you said, with the talent level. Major championships is just hard to win, and there's only a select amount of them. So, the problem is is that we get into this debate of, like, like especially when Kepka and Speed were on their hot runs, we say, oh, well, they're going to get the double-digit majors. It's like, no, they're not. Like, there's been uh, three players in the history of golf to get to double-digit majors. With throwing out that all these players are going to get to that point, it's so incredibly hard and difficult. And just to go to Sam's point, it's even more difficult with the amount of good players that are out there. So, I mean, and I will say this, too, about Rom's win. I was looking this up just a second ago. There are there were seven tournaments in Rom's career where he did not win the tournament, and he gained more strength at field points than he did this week. Wow. So, I, I, think, <laughs> so I just think that goes to show that, Yes, he won this event, but kind of going to the point of what I was trying to say earlier about him being tentative, I think a little bit of that happens early in the round, but it's similar to kind of what happened at the century where he just kind of got beat, right? Like, Kansas just went out there and made more birdies than him, and Rom had his chances to make those birdies. They just didn't happen. So I think there is a little bit of that where he's a little tentative sometimes, but then there's the times where he gets beat, and there are times where he just doesn't uh, take advantage of his opportunities. So... A little bit all of it in there. I'm just not going to get wrapped up fully in this one win that really, you know, you look at the world ranking points, like I mentioned, seven other tournaments. Even a third-place finish at last year's Open Championship gave him more world ranking points than the win yesterday. So, I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm going to kind of take this win lightly, but at the same time, I did see positives from Rom, and I think he is going to build on those going into Southern. So, I think a better comparison. So, I kind of threw out Rory and Speed. You mentioned Kepka. I think JT's probably the better comparison, yes. right? Yep. Uber talented. Sometimes the putter goes cold. Great ball striker. I would, I would argue Rome's been way better in majors than, than JT has. He just only still has the one. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rome you can maybe so make that. Yeah, he does. So let's look at Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas has 14 PGA Tour wins. John Rom now has seven. They each have one major. U.S. Open for Rom, PGA Championship. JT has a players. For JT, JT has a players as well. So JT is right at pretty much a year and a half older. Yep. So a year and a half from now for Rom. Maybe he adds a major, but he, he's not going to get to 14 PGA Tour wins by a year and a half from now to catch JT. But he could get another major in the next year and a half. So I think those two are on more of kind of an even footing there, Taylor, than some of those guys we were mentioning who ripped off three or four whenever they got hot. Yeah, and, you know, I'll say this, too, about Rom. You know, he, he has two wins over at the DT World Tour Championship, and he has some wins over in Europe. where He finished second at the BMW PGA. So, just kind of throwing out some other tournaments there. We're, we're focused on the PGA Tour wins. Rom still has the kind of worldwide wins. Still not up to 14, but still in that same realm as uh, as JT. So, yeah, I think that's a really good comparison there. Like I said, I think Rom's been a little bit more solid in the majors. He's had, you know, he had a lot of top fives when he first came out and then kind of went through the stretch where he was angry and would throw his clubs and all that. And then finally broke through for the win. So, so yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a better comparison than the Rory and uh, than Speed kind of takes. But uh, I, I don't know, guys. I think, like I said, I'm somewhere in the middle 
on this. And it's going to be interesting. Here, let's do an over and under right now. Um, let's just say I'm going to put it at three and a half majors for Rome. Y'all taking the over or the under? Uh, I'll take the under. I mean, four is just – That's I mean, just too many to bet on. I, I, th- I think two and a half would be the better number, Taylor. Or I don't know. Would you take the over on the three and a half? I mean, that's, that's, so that's just three That's three more majors for a 27-year-old who is probably the, a top five driver of the ball in the world right now, a top ten iron player in the world right now. So, yeah, I would take the over, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, majors are just well, tough to win. I just, I always kind of default to the under on major championships because we just see guys go a decade at a time without winning. I mean, we're coming up on a decade for Rory McIlroy not winning a major, and I can't make sense of it. It it, it, it doesn't make sense. Rory's an unbelievable driver of the golf ball. He hits his long irons really well. Struggles sometimes with the wedges, but you would think he'd put it all together for four days. We're coming up on a decade, no majors. So I don't know. I just, I kind of always default to under on those questions. I want to ask you guys about another guy that hasn't won a major that played well this week that's Tony Finau he shot Mm -hmm. eight under in the final round um vaulted himself all the way up to a tie for second now Tony Finau got his first top 10 since the Northern Trust in 2021 um before that his only other top 10 um before that was the PGA Championship um and then the Masters right before that. So basically he hadn't played elite golf in a long long time. So basically three top 10s in a year for Fina. Exactly. Plus the the hero. So if you count that No, I don't. Okay. So I mean that's top 10 means you finished in the top like half of the field. So my point is Fina is playing golf or good golf for the first time in a long, long time. And do you guys put any stock into it, or was it just Mexico? Uh, I think it was just Mexico. Taylor, what say you? I'll say this, guy. So we've talked about his putting before, right? Out of 209 players, he currently ranks 195th in putting, uh, Finau does. And, you know, I'll say this. You know, out of the guys that we mentioned who lost uh, stroke game putting on the event, finished top 20, Fino was one of those people who lost almost half a stroke and only lost the tournament by one shot and lost that many putties. I mean, that's just truly unbelievable. And I'll say this about Fino, too. You know, it's been highlighted a lot that, that Scheffler, you know, he got picked for the Ryder Cup team, and that gave him a lot of confidence and boost forward. Well, what's happened to Fino since he was picked for the Ryder Cup? He went, he's gone straight to crap. I mean, it, it, he hasn't been able to putt since then. So I think that we can get caught up a lot of times in the positives that can come from a Ryder Cup. But for whatever reason, guys, Fino really hasn't been the same since that week. I think Sam mentioned it, it was his first top 10 since uh, when he won at the Northern Trust. So, I mean, I, I think that Fina, for if me, guys, has a long hero. way to go. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm not counting the hero, absolutely yep. not. I mean, if he finished if he finished top five or something or was in contention, I would claim it. But it's, it's like I remember I was watching Golf Channel the other day, and they showed, like, Rory's recent finishes when he was around the Masters, <clears> and they showed, like, oh, he's finished top 20 so many times he finished 18th as a hero. And it's like, that's two spots in DFL. That's not good. <laughs> like, quit bragging about that. That's not good. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go with this, guys. I think Finau has a long way to go. I will say this. He gained over two – or he gained two strokes approach green this week, one of the best uh, iron weeks of anyone out there. So, maybe he's getting a little bit of swing form. So, I think we may get in this phase to where – He's not just going out there missing the cuts like he was. He may be able to hit the ball good enough to where he can make a few putts and then be able to get in on the weekend and make some cuts. But I think we're a long ways away from him contending in, uh, in not even just major championship guys, but even kind of the upper echelon PJ Tour. Guys, I want to ask you about one more guy, and then we'll move on. I want to ask you guys about Davis Riley possibly being the rookie of the year so far. Uh, by the way, news this morning, Davis Riley WD'd from the Wells Fargo. Did so he? Turk Pettit into the field, the former Clemson Tigers. So, gotcha. Uh, Davis Riley having a good year, obviously. Well, he has he has a tied for fourth at the Zurich. Obviously, he played, what was he, tied for what uh, this week? It was, this week, he was, I, was Let's he see, in that? he was I fifth. Was solo solo yeah. fifth. Okay. Solo fifth this week, tied for fourth at the Zurich. Valsbari finished second. and in, in the playoff to Sam Burns. Yeah, and in Bermuda, he finished uh, tied for seventh, plus a tie for 20 in, uh, at the Sony. So, guys, I mean, I think that Davis Riley is kind of making a case for rookie of the year. I don't think we've had a rookie, 
you know, play as good as he, he has. I need to. I'm trying to think of rookies I, off I, the top of my head. I actually just Googled it. Taylor, can you think of any other rookies off the top of your head that are doing kind of close to what Lincoln, not Lincoln Riley, <laughs> oh Davis my Riley gosh, is Don't do my man's like Riley, Colby, what are you doing? <laughs> you can tell that's a pistol firing cousin, guy right there. That's his cousin, Lincoln Riley, Davis Riley. They're cousins. <laughs> uh, Cameron Young's had a decent year. I'm looking at the list here. Cameron Young's had a decent the, the year. Is the name Heath, up there. Yeah. I throw yeah. him in there. Uh, honestly, Aaron Rise had a pretty good season, um, but his has been kind of like sneakier. A lot of a couple backdoor top tens, stuff like that. I I don't know. I, I would probably default uh, Davis Riley right now. Maybe maybe Cam Young. They're probably close. Davis Riley yep. has four top tens right now uh, to Cameron Young's three top tens. Both of their best finishes uh, are runner up finishes. Taylor, any any thoughts on on rookies? I think I would – I'd probably list this off, guys. I'd probably go – if I had to give it right now, I'd probably give it to T. Gala. Um, and, and 20 starts, he's made 15 cuts, three top tens. Yeah. That, I think it's pretty good. By far, the most cuts made of, of any uh, of any rookie out there. Cam Young's a, a, a good bet as well. We remember how he played at, uh, at Riviera. Then I think he's in a second somewhere else as well. So I'm not straining my head. Top of my head right now. Uh, Chad Ramey's listed up there. I still think Davis Riley's had a better year than him. So – I think Tigala has a little bit of a lead right now, but then uh, Young and Riley are on his tail. And I'll say this, too. I mean, we talked about this kind of when he was just coming out of college. I mean, Davis Riley's one of those guys where he's just – it's just going to – when is it going to happen? It wasn't a matter of if. It was a matter of when. And I think the win is now. And I think that the first thing that we're going to need to see from him to try to solidify the role that he's going to have in golf is just get that first win. Really close at the Valspar. Sam Burns uh, made that long putt on him to beat him. But nevertheless, when it comes to rookie of the year, Davis Riley's in the top three, but not quite number one for me yet. Yeah, and I think that this kind of shows how we feel about opposite field events because Chad Ramey won an opposite field event. But, I mean, we're talking right. about 151 strength at the Mexico Open. Those opposite field events are usually 60 or 70 on strength of field. So, I mean, obviously great to get that win. But you look at current FedEx Cup rank, I mean, this just kind of adds up everything you've done this season. Tigala making more starts and more cuts, but getting less points because they're in weaker events. Cameron Young, 19th in the uh, FedEx Cup this season. Next best rookie, Davis Riley at 33. And then you actually drop off to Mito Pereira at 45 in the FedEx Cup. So I Mito's it, still a rookie. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of depends on, you know, what events you play and how you finish in the, uh, the high-ranking point events. The key is always to groove it down the fairway. You can do that at your best with the Groove It Wet Club Scrub Brush. Put a little water in there, magnet it to your bag with the strongest magnet known to man. Uh, back in stock, shipping now. Promo code 73rd hole for 10% off. 73rd hole. 73, the numerals, RD hole on GrooveItBrush.com. Go get yourself one, and uh, you will not regret it. You know who was grooving it this week, on, especially on Sunday? Who's that? Patrick Reed. <laughs> oh, Patrick Reed. Let's talk about Patrick Reed. My guy, Patrick Reed. He goes out, front nine, very casual yesterday. Very casual front nine, eight pars and a birdie. Five over, 41 on the back. I, I just have one question for Patrick his Reed. His father-in-law distracted. I just have one question for the Patrick Reed camp. <laughs> Was the director of golf at Vedanta Vallarta not available to give him some pointers on how to play the back nine at Vedanta Vallarta. The grueling test that is the three par five back nine at Vedanta Vallarta. For the people that d don't know what we're talking about or didn't hear our radio show yesterday, let the people or, know. Or aren't on Twitter. Yeah. Use Goffax on Twitter, which is the greatest Twitter account ever made. Uh, it's basically the burner account for the Reed Camp. For the Reed Camp. And we don't know who owns it. We don't know who runs it, but we know it's somebody in the Reed camp. And yesterday they tweeted out this long deal about how ridiculous it is that uh, the PGA and Southern Hills are letting Kerry Cosby are, are letting yeah. Tiger Woods go out there with the director of golf, Kerry Cosby at Southern Hills, and just ripping it. Uh, it's embarrassing, is what they said in the post. And then Patrick Reed, who was had a decent golf tournament going for the first time in six months, goes out and fires a nice little back nine forty one. Taylor, should he have gotten some more tips from the director of golf? He should have had the director of golf go out there and play the back nine for him. What he should have done. <laughs> I mean, five over in the back nine. He lost 3.67 throw scan approach yesterday. 3.67. You could literally, Colby, you could do the hybrid punch that you did in high school. 
and gained more strokes approach than that. It was one of the worst iron rounds I've ever seen in my entire life. Pat Street, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I'll say this, I hope that he is running that burner account because it might give him some excuse for this horrible play we've been doing. Uh, have we ever told Sam about the hyper punch era? No. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> oh, the hyper punch. Tyler, do you want to tell him or do you want me to tell him? Go ahead. I think your version's better because you were – I was just a spectator for the bit. It was in your head, and you were the one having to hit this shot. So, so I mean, it was pretty pretty, uh, pretty infamous in Chickasaw Lord. So, our senior year, I mean, I was a decent player, good, not great. Uh, I would shoot upper 70s, low 80s most of the time. And we get to, like, regional state tournament. I get, Sam, the worst yips with the iron you've ever seen. You're like, I can't hit an iron. I can't do it. So – we're out here. We're playing Dorna Kill State Championship. Oh, no. And I am the hybrid punch king. I mean, I'm <laughs> hybrid punching everywhere. What did you do uh, on 16? <laughs> on 16, I bonded down the middle. I needed to advance it. I, I, I couldn't go for it in two, but I only needed to hit my layup. I don't know how far I needed to hit my layup. 160 yards or something. <laughs> Got my hybrid out. Punched it right down the fairway. Threw a wedge, wedge up onto the green. Made par. Tyler was watching it all from the tee box, too. Having a good laugh at my expense. Dude, I was like, what in the world? I thought by hitting this hybrid punch, I thought he was going to shoot 99 to come in. I'm like, man, we don't have a chance to play. And Timmy comes in and shoots like 78 or something. I'm like, dude, did you have like 13 putts today? I mean, what in the world were you doing? Every other part of my game was maybe as good as it, as it had ever been. It was like basically pitching wedge through five iron, done, out. I just left him in the bag all week. <laughs> and we got State Runner up as a team. No way. Yep. That is yep. great. I mean, it helped that Taylor won the tournament by 12, but <laughs> that uh, that knocks the team score hey, down everyone a needs bit. a glue guy. Yes. Or a hybrid definitely. punch guy. Everybody needs a hybrid punch guy. Yes. So, <laughs> I wonder, let's talk a little bit about Kerry Cosby. I wonder what hole at Southern he told uh, Tiger to break the hybrid punch out on. We had people in the trees. We had a helicopter overhead Beautiful. for six holes. Tulsa laid out the red carpet, and then they flew a helicopter over it while Tiger was playing golf. I Two weeks from today, boys, Southern Hills, the gate's open. Two weeks from today. It's almost here. I can't believe it. Hey, we need to pull up the audio of the Tiger thing real quick. Of the Tiger helicopter or of him talking to Helmuth? Him talking to Helmuth. Oh, we can get Tiger so, talking to Helmuth. Phil Helmuth, who is a professional poker player, was at Tiger Jam, which was in Las Vegas over the weekend, and Tiger gave a little clinic, and he had a little poker tournament, celebrity poker tournament, and Phil Helmuth was there. All right, I'm with Tiger. This is unbelievable. They have helicopters following you around. They did. They did for six holes. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. what's happening in Tulsa? Um, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening in Tulsa? Um, not a lot. Not a lot. So good from Tiger. I, I love loved every second of it. That he's like, yep, six holes. Yeah, yep. six holes. Follow me around on the helicopter. <laughs> I think even Tiger. I don't know, Tyler. Tiger's been through a lot in his career. I think even Tiger probably looked up and was like, "Do we seriously have the news chopper overhead right now?" <laughs> well, I mean, and when we brought up the heavy artillery, I mean, the definition of it. Whatever we got to do to be able to see some Tiger Woods shots, we're going to make it happen. I shout out all the, the uh, Tulsinians, or however we're going to pronounce it. The fact that Tulsin- you're able to go out there. Tulsinians? Is that the right word? No, it's Tulsans. Tulsites. Tulsites? Tulsin? Whatever you are. J.R.R. Tolkien, we'll say that. So, I don't know, guys. I think that it's great that we see Tiger. And it was just marvelous that he was there. I mean, I said on the radio show yesterday, I bit the cheese, listened to him at the Masters, saying he wasn't. Didn't think he was going to play. Had such a long way to go. I'm going to stop doing it. I'm never going to doubt the man again. And I wasn't going to do it this time. So I wasn't on this 50% chance he'll play. I wasn't in none of that. I was in the 98 percentile, and I'm even higher now. 99%. I'm not even going to say. I'm not going to say 100% because nothing really in this life is 100% until it's said and done. But I, I just shout out all the uh, all the people of Tulsa. I'm not going to try to pronounce who they are now, but I, I just I love what they did, and I love the fact that. Terry Cosby was able to get that experience, go caddy for Tiger. Such a great individual. Mentioned that also on the radio show yesterday, how great of a guy Absolutely. he is. So, uh, you know, shout out Terry Cosby for that. And, you know, I, I thought about this. That was funny. What what if, what if Cosby, he's too nice of a guy for this, but what if Cosby was caddying for Tiger and just told him all kinds of false stuff about the new sports <laughs> and about the new changes? Uh, well, here, here's the deal, guys, is – Tulsa was not doing too much because this is the most famous man in the world. If you ask a three-year-old or a 90-year-old who Tiger Woods is, they will know 
who Tiger Woods is, but I think that everyone... Educate your kids, by the way, people. Educate your kids. Turn on the the 1997 Masters and make them watch. Layla already knows who Tiger Woods is. Layla watched the 1997 Masters, I kid you not, the day she came home from the hospital. (laughs) Because she came home on Masters Week. It just so happened. We got home from the hospital... 45 minutes after we got home, I turned on Golf Channel, and the 1997 Masters was on. Well, here's the deal. Yes, he is the most famous man in the world, but that's not why everyone went nuts in Tulsa. It's not because nothing's going on in Tulsa. That's not why everyone went nuts. Everyone went nuts, Colby, because Jaime Diaz came on not even 10 hours before Tiger Woods played at Southern Hills on the Golf Channel and said that... Tiger Woods was a long shot to play at Southern Hills. And then he's out playing a practice round the very next day out at Southern Hills. Everyone was shocked. There were people in the trees. There were helicopters overhead. I absolutely love it. Tulsa, you were not doing too much. That is Tiger freaking Woods. Good on Tulsa. Let's do this. So let's go now to our man, Jim Woodward. Woody, we're talking a little Tiger Woods at Southern Hills. Helicopters overhead. Cameramen in the trees. Obviously, there's never been anybody that make people as crazy in the game of golf as Tiger Woods makes people. But last week, he just shows up out of the blue in Tulsa. Nobody knew he was coming. And then, boom, he's at Southern Hills. We've got videos. We've got pictures. Everybody's excited. Two weeks from today, Woody, the gates open at Southern Hills for the PGA Championship, and it looks like Tiger's going to be there. What did you think of the circus last Thursday in Tulsa? Well, how impressive to have Colby Powell's name on a, a number of the stories I was reading. <laughs> I was like, now there's my man. Hello. Uh, I had a good friend pretty, of a friend who was sending me some videos. I loved it. I loved it. Oh, that's pretty cool. And, and, Colby, don't lie. You were and, the guy and, up in the trees. <laughs> I wish I was the guy up in the trees. <laughs> I figured you were hanging out of a helicopter. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know, really, guys, I mean, we were kind of texting back and forth. That, that, that's one guy we can't – we don't know what he's going to do. And uh, he's the only guy that knows what he's going to do, and he's probably the best at keeping everything quiet as anybody I've ever seen. Uh I think it is exciting. I was sure hoping he would play. I would have been shocked if he didn't. Uh, I just don't think he can afford to let a major go by without trying to win it. He knows he's on a timeline now, and it's, you know, with his health, his age, and everything else, he's got to play in every one he's playing because uh, he can catch lightning at any time. You all know that. Um, yeah. I thought it was interesting some of the, the statements Kerry Cosby said because he got to uh, caddy for him and. Oh, I think Kerry getting that front row seat, getting to watch somebody as impressive as Tiger Woods, if if you haven't ever had a chance to do it in your lifetime, boy, make a, make a point to go watch it if you can. Because even though it's not as good as it once was, what Toby Keith said, I'm still as good once as I ever was. And that's, uh, that's Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it, Woody. By the way, everybody can go read all those great Kerry Cosby quotes. Ken McLeod had a great story on Golf Oklahoma last week that he put out. Just got a ton of access with Cosby. Uh, and just hearing him talk about Tiger playing that practice round. He had a pin sheet from last year's senior PGA at, uh, at Southern Hills. And he was putted to all four pin locations on every green. He was uh, – Kerry Cosby described him as meticulous with his preparation, which I think is a surprise to no one. And Ken also broke that story that Tiger was going to be up at Southern. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Very plugged in. Ken McLeod, uh, game of golf in Oklahoma and Southern Hills. So, Tiger, two weeks. Looks like he's going to be at Southern. Uh, Very, very exciting stuff. I want to remind everybody we've got Quade Cummins coming up after the break, so make sure that you stick around for that. We're going to talk to him about his great finish on the Corn Ferry Tour this week. Woody. John Rahm goes down and takes down some absolute giants at the Mexico Open. Uh, I don't know how much of it you watched, Woody. It's My only complaint about the tournament, actually probably more so than the weak field, is that you could hit your tee shot anywhere in Puerto Vallarta and you could find it in an open look at the green. Uh, what did you think about the Mexico Open? Well, and you know what's great is you guys are, now that I get to come on more than I used to, I, I gotta, I gotta pay a little attention to. I actually watch <laughs> from a an open. Now, I don't know whether to thank you guys for that or to cuss you, but uh, we'll get to that another day. I'll tell you what, though, uh, you guys called it before the week started. It was a good event for some guys that were rookies to get money, 
and getting FedEx points, which yep. we saw. It was a good week for him to gain Rom, meaning get a little confidence back. He hit some quality shots coming down the stretch. What impressed me, he was moving his irons both ways. And he hit some really good shots when he had to because um, he was trying to, you know, flirt uh, that thing away a little bit, shall we say. And uh, so even though I wasn't I wasn't enthralled with the Mexican Open, I, I saw some pretty cool stuff coming down the stretch that I thought was pretty good on his part. He is such a, a dynamic ball striker. And it's hard to say, and I hate to say average putter because nobody's average on the tour, but he's not a great putter compared to some of those guys. Boy, but he's a heck of a ball striker, isn't he? He really oh, is. Oh, he, he's, absolutely, he's absolutely marvelous, Woody. You know, we, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before you came on. All three of us are kind of somewhere indifferent on, on this topic. We've been talking about how Rom finishes golf tournaments. Um, Kobe had mentioned that Rom was one for five. Um, with with holding a 54-hole lead before yesterday, so that question now two for six. And so we were kind of trying to prognosticate, you know, how he'd be in the in the future. We had the over and under three and a half major championships. I took the over, those two guys took the under. So kind of just give us your thoughts on how you think uh, Rom's closing has been and how do you think it will relate for him in the future? Oh, I think I think your your majors have – I think he'll I think he'll win at least four. I really do. Um and I, I say that simply because of his ball striking. And once, you know, he's having another baby. Um, and, and, and there's a lot that goes on in life that, that, that kind of disrupts you. Um, but I think Rom will, I think Rom will, will get better. Uh, as his family grows, I think he'll become more of a patient guy and that will help him with his golf. But he is just too doggone good a ball striker to not win, I think, at least four majors. Um, you know, I'm probably wrong, so don't count on it. Don't <laughs> go to the bank. But I think he will. I, I truly do believe that. Woody, I saw a couple things from Rom yesterday. I think Taylor made a good point that he does look a little tentative, but I don't necessarily think that he has problems closing out golf tournaments. I know the stats say one for five, right, Colby? Um, is that the stat? He, he was one for five coming into the week so he, with now a 54-hole lead. Yeah. Now he's two for six. Yeah. So, I mean, that so, takes you from 20% to 33, which is exactly. a nice little boost. And that's not counting the memorial. So I think the statistics lie a little bit. Now let me play devil's advocate here and say I did see Rom hit three pulls on the back nine. He got himself in a little bit of trouble on 10 and 18. It could have cost him the golf tournament um, if there was any trouble where the ball doesn't trundle through the hard pan, you know, and go right to where right. he has an easy gap wedge in to win the golf tournament. But it, it, is there anything in Rom's swing coming down the stretch where you think it might get a little too quick or too short? Well, and that's that is the one thing that you were you're going to peg with him is it it's already a pretty short, quick golf swing, right? right. So uh, if it gets a little bit nervy, it can it can even become more so. Um, you know, he he's one of those kinds of guys. I don't necessarily think it's his golf swing as much as his. Uh, the uh, Nemer on the golf course. He's still a little bit of a hothead. I mean, he can get some. He can get some pissed off going, and uh, I think that kind of hurts him because I think it speeds him up. I think his adrenaline gets going a little bit more than it needs to, and that's why I was kind of saying, guys. I think as he has more children, and Colby, I'll explain that to you another day. But as you, <laughs> as these children grow, your patience grows, and trust me, it, it has. To because it's just a different thing you're trying to do. It's, it's not like trying to get a ball in a hole. And uh, I think it'll help him in the long run. That's the only reason why I think he'll win four majors or more is because I think once he gets his attitude under control, I think he's going to be pretty tough to beat in some events. Yeah, I mean, he's only 27, so he still has a lot of ways uh, to grow and mature out there on the tour. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? Let's come back on the other side. Let's talk to Quade Cummins. Awesome performance on the Corn Ferry Tour this week. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on that and on his Oklahoma Sooners. Sooner alum, obviously, uh, and they've got some great stuff going with their program. Quade Cummins and much more coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. 
When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. now to welcome into the 73rd hole fresh off of a t4 finish on the corn ferry tour at the huntsville championship one quade cummins aka Quaid, what's up <laughs> what's up guys oh man what a week down in huntsville alabama ends up being a t4 finish look harrison endicott he kind of runs away with the tournament he ends up at 16 yeah. under par but there were a bunch of guys just really bottled up behind him you were in that group you come away with a t4 how did that feel to get a nice high finish this past week on the corn ferry yeah no it was it was, it was really fun that was um that was kind of my first tournament where i didn't really have to worry about making the cut and uh it was a lot it's very relaxed on that friday and saturday and then Yesterday, it kind of got uh, a little stressful at the beginning of the round, but as the round went on, uh, you know, we had some, we, I think I played with Ben Taylor, who ended up getting second, and we both got within three, I believe, after 11 and 12, and then Harrison kind of made a couple birdies coming in, it wasn't really close, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun being in the mix, and uh, I was lucky enough to be in the second to last group on Saturday and then the last group yesterday because of weather. Um, so it, it was fun being in the uh, contending groups and having the crowd out there. Uh, it, it's kind of been a while since I've been in that position. And really, it was my first time as a pro being in that position. So it was, it was definitely fun. Yeah, quite. I'm curious as to kind of your reshuffle status as the tours get moved around. You know, you finished sixth in PGA Tour. You, how all that status has worked, kind of where you started to where you are now status-wise? Yeah, so uh, from PGA Tour U, um, I played the form tour last summer uh, from being sixth on that, and then uh, which got me the second stage of Q school. And I ended up getting to finals of Q School, which means you're a member of the Corn Ferry Tour. But uh, top 40 in ties from uh, finals uh, get, I think, eight guaranteed starts. And I think I finished uh, around 130th at Corn Ferry Finals. So I had not very good status coming into the year. And uh, after finals, you know, that was a long, a long couple of months waiting on to see what I'd get into. Uh, and I ended up going uh, down the Monday qualifier route and the first Monday qualifier I played in. So I think it was the Bahamas tournaments where there was no Monday qualifiers. And then Panama was the first Monday you could play in. And I ended up making it through that Monday and getting a top 15 in Panama, which boosted me way up in uh, the category of status. And, uh, now I think I'm uh, projected 50th on the money list, which would mean I'm pretty much set for the rest of the year on tournament. So uh, from going after finals, not knowing what I would be playing in this year to, you know, beginning of May, being able to play in all the Corn Ferry tournaments I want, it's definitely worked itself out. And, uh, you know, I, it turns out I shouldn't have really stressed over those last or over those two months in the off season, but uh, I'm happy the way it's working out and, you know, definitely have a chance coming down the stretch. Um, 
to hopefully get in the mix to get my PJ Tour card. Quaid, that's absolutely awesome. I want to transition a little bit to the Oklahoma Sooners, obviously winning the Big 12 championship last week. Uh, we were texting a little bit after uh, the Sooners won that Big 12 championship, and I said, I'll tell you one thing, Hibble is the best coach in college golf. And you said, we've known that. The rest of the country doesn't. Kind of expand on that a little yeah. bit and what Coach Hibble's meant to you. Yeah, um, I mean, Coach Hibble, he, he's meant the world to me as, you know, kind of coaching me up for golf and then, you know, kind of prepping us to turn pro and whatnot. And, um, I mean, coach Hibble, he does, I don't, I don't know how other programs work, but I mean, I wouldn't have changed a single thing that he's done for me or what he's done for, you know, my teammates and the years on, I don't know. I don't know how he finds these guys, you know, it takes a special person to figure out if you're going to, you know, pan out when you're 15 years old. And I think he's done a really good job at that. And, you know, he's, I mean, uh, every person I talk to on the Corn Ferry Tour, the thing they say is, holy cow, how many of you guys are out here now? And, I mean, that just shows, uh, you know, in recent years, I think it kind of started with that Gellerman and Saxon group. Uh, you know, those guys kind of came out. And then, obviously, Abe. And then, uh, you know, the guys that were on the team with me, I think there's uh, – I mean, I don't know for a fact, but, I mean, there has to be at least – five or six, seven, eight guys that are out here that I played with on the team. So, I mean, it's really cool having that, you know, OU atmosphere out there. We kind of run around with each other, um, playing practice rounds, going to eat dinner. And it's, it's really fun to have people out here you know and you've lived with uh, throughout your career. And, you know, it's a comforting feeling, um, you know, when you're not out there by yourself, I guess. You know, Quaid, we're we're approaching the, the one year anniversary of you being on the uh, the winning Walker Cup team uh, down at Seminole last year. So, kind of take us through this last year that it's been. You know, you you're now officially a professional. Back then, you're an amateur. So, kind of take us through. You know, not only has your game evolved over this last year, but what are some things that you've learned from being a full time professional as opposed to just an amateur? Yeah. Um, so, as an amateur and a college player, um, you kind of have that you know, big support system of, uh, you know, the team atmosphere. And I've always been a team guy. I played multiple sports growing up. And, you know, this last year has kind of been the first real feeling of, you know, it's kind of – it's not just me by myself. I obviously still have a lot of people that are support me day to day. But uh, just having, like, people to relate with, uh, you know, like having Coach and Bill there to talk, talk throughout – uh, you know, the week, if you're having a tough week or, you know, if the guy, if you're playing great with the team, you know, everybody's happy or whatnot. But like when you're out here by yourself, um, you know, when you're playing bad, it gets, it gets pretty lonely, but when you're playing good, you know, you still get those, you know, you know, great job texts and whatnot. And uh, it's, it's been, it's definitely been a transition and um, you know, I, I'm very happy the way it's, it's going right now. And, um, the thing is, is I, I've talked to Coach Hibble uh, probably two weeks ago. I missed cut in Dallas, and I was like, I just don't know how I can get used to missing cuts. It's like uh, you, you just beat yourself up over missing a cut, and that's just the nature of the game. Like nobody's going to be perfect. I, I don't know what the you know Tiger Morikawa's record is of making cuts in a row, but that's just it's unheard of, and it's not. I mean, it's just part of the game. Like, you're going to miss cuts and whatnot. So that's kind of the tougher part for me is, uh, you know, when you're not playing good is, um, you know, every, it comes easy when you're playing good. But when you're playing bad, that's the that's the part I've got to get better at. And uh, But, I mean, it's just it's part of the process is, you know, as much as it sucks when you miss a cut or whatnot. But uh, I'd say that's been the toughest part of, you know, being a professional golfer. And quite it's Woody. I, I listening to you. I, I, it's always fun for me to, to to get a chance to listen to you guys that are just getting started. And I listen to what your your words are more than I look at your golf swings. Yeah. Uh, so my my question, it's kind of it's out there a little bit. But if if you are going to look at at your starting part of your career 
and I used to always think if I played 30 events, I'd play 10 good, 10 okay, and 10 not so good. So that way I didn't yeah. really worry about, okay, I didn't have a good week. Well, it happens. It's golf. It could be a number yeah. of things that happened. What was it about yesterday coming down that stretch, playing for money and playing as a professional that was different to you than playing with your teammates and an amateur golf? Yeah, um, I, that's a really good question because, uh, you know, that's the first time I've really been in that, you know, the seat of, you know, uh, you know, if I finish this week off that, um, you know, it could, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything drastically, but I mean, in reality, you know, whoever wins out here, you're going to be in a pretty good spot to be on the PGA tour. And, uh, I mean, it's just a you, – you, I don't look – I think you – I would beat myself up if I thought of, you know, if I'm sitting over a putt, you know, if I make or miss this putt, it's a $10,000 swing. I mean, I there's no way I could look at it at the time like that. I'm just trying to get the ball in the hole as fast as I can, no matter what, if I'm, you know, playing with my buddies or playing by myself or playing for, you know, to win a tournament. I just um, – I've just never looked at it like that, and I I think it works for me um, so far. Um, but I I don't I don't know if I'll ever be able to look at it like that. Uh, you know, if I make or miss this putt, it's gonna you know make me more money or cost me more money. So uh, I kind of look at that afterwards. And you know, this past week, um, you know, I felt like I played really well, but I also left a lot of shots out there. I don't know if I. I probably would have had to play perfect to actually win. You know, Harrison ends up winning by, I think, five or six. I don't know what it was. But just seeing how he handled it in that final round, that's something that uh, will, will help me out in the future, just seeing a person win a golf tournament. I mean, that doesn't happen very often where you're uh, you're right there up close in person, you know. Absolutely, Quaid. And hey, I know you've spent a lot of time up at Southern Hills, obviously seeing Ryan Rohde. And if anyone's yeah. curious um, to hear about what you guys like to work on, you can listen to our podcast back last year with Ryan Rohde. But the question I want to ask you today, Quaid, um, is I I'm sure you've played some holes out there and played Southern Hills before it got redone. What are these guys in for at the PGA? And what are the hardest parts of the the restored Southern Hills and, and what are these guys, yeah. uh, what do they have to look out for? Yeah, I would say the restoration's amazing. Um, I don't know if you guys have been out there or not since they've redone it. I think I, well, I saw some videos last week of Tiger Planet, but I think the biggest change, so we played big 12s in 2018 and I think they closed it that, I think we were like the last tournament that played it before they redid it. And, uh, going back and I played it probably two or three times since they've redone it. And, um, they've really just taken out, there, there's hardly any rough really. And when your ball misses the green, it's going to roll, it's going to roll a significant amount of distance away from the green. And sometimes it may even roll into the water. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's going to come down to, you know, guys hitting it in the right spots on the greens. Cause those greens are going to be really fast. And, you know, in May in Oklahoma, you know, you don't know what you're going to get for weather. So hopefully the weather can stay, you know, dry and, you know, if there's wind, there's wind. But hopefully there's no, you know, crazy weather or whatnot. But uh, um, they, the, I played it probably two weeks before they closed it. And, uh, I mean, it, it was prime time ready to go, I think, which is good. Uh, you know, I don't know how thick the rough will be in May, but I don't think the course needs rough to be a tough golf course. So, quite here, we'll, we're gonna, I'll shift away from a golf question here, and we'll lead into the football side. So, give us your thoughts right. on the, the Brent Venable football hire and how long you think it'll take our football team to finally win another national title. I mean, from what I've heard, <laughs> I've, I've, talked to, I've talked to a lot of guys. I've talked to the coaches and, you know, the weight training staff and whatnot that are around it every day, and he said they, they say it's, it's night and day difference from, you know, the – the vibes and, you know, the intensity walking around in the building. So I haven't been, I haven't been around there, uh, since he's, since he's brought his staff on and whatnot, but I'm excited to get back to the, you know, old school ways, I hope. And, you know, putting the physical beat down on people. So I hope it doesn't <laughs> take too long, but 
uh, you know, I think I think he'll have us ready to go to the SEC. All right, Quade, you're uh, you're on the road today. You were in Huntsville, Alabama. Where are you headed? What's coming up next? Yeah, uh, I'm driving to Nashville right now. I'm about 45 minutes out, I believe, and uh, it, it's not too bad of a drive. It's only about an hour and a half. So um, we're we're going to Nashville today. We're going to take it easy. Going to going to go check out the greens, get some work on the greens, and then uh, probably play nine holes tomorrow and nine holes on Wednesday and then tee it up on Thursday. All right, man. Best of luck. We appreciate you taking some time for us today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Have a good one. Good luck. All right. We'll see you guys later. See you. That was former Sooner Quade Cummins joining us here on the 73rd hole. Quade with a T4 finish this week on the Corn Ferry Tour, headed up for another event this week in Nashville. We appreciate him taking some time for us this afternoon. Fellas, former Sooner, current Sooners, great golf being played down in Norman, and due to course conditions at the old Colony Golf Club down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, they were unable to host the regional that they were scheduled to host. They had to call the uh, competition committee for Division I NCAA Athletics and tell them, hey, we have some winter kill. Don't bring it here. And the NCAA committee decided, let's send it to Norman, the number one team in the country. Last year, they get shipped off to Albuquerque as the number one team. This year, they get awarded a regional at Jimmy Austin. Sam, this is... This is the golf gods making up for OU getting shipped to Albuquerque the last year. The only bad thing about this whole situation is it's the same week as the PGA, oh, so we're going to have to miss it. I know. I so wish that we could do both. You just you can't be in two places yeah, at once. Yeah, you can't be in two places at once. But I did think it was funny that I asked Hibble the question about, do you think a, a top seed should be able to host a regional? And he basically said yes, but then kind of laughed about it. I think he already knew that they were getting that regional from Alabama. He probably did. Yeah, Woody, what did you think whenever? you saw uh, Jimmy Austin was getting the regional down there. Uh, yeah, I think you guys are spot on. I think Coach knew it, but he was playing mum. Uh, I I had some great news. I, I'm going to toot my own uh, nephew's horn. I, my nephew, Tyler Woodward, has been at, at Jimmy Austin ever since he went to school down at OU, started in the golf shop, worked his way to the head golf professional, and now he's taken over for Rodney. Rodney moved to California, so he's going to – He's going to be in charge of that whole Jimmy Austin deal down there. And let me tell you something, that boy, he is sooner through and through. It's just amazing with his uncle being a cowboy. He never <laughs> he never talked about OSU. He was an OU boy from the get-go. So I'm being a little selfish talking about my, my, my nephew, but I'm proud of punching him. But I, I don't know how much people have played Jimmy Austin. Uh, if you haven't, get down there and play that golf course. It's phenomenal. They've, they've got the best tee boxes of anybody in the country, besides maybe Augusta. And they're the most flat and perfect tee boxes. Their bunkering's beautiful. Their golf course is really, really good. So I feel your guys' pain. I'm actually not going to the PGA much. I'm going to go down there and see him during that, uh, that regional. So uh, if you guys questions i might be able to tell you there about we go there. that's awesome woody we'll have a, uh, a live correspondent down there in norman <laughs> now taylor you and i have played jimmy austin together a handful of times and it seems like each time we go down there we're more impressed than the last time we were there by the course it's it's amazing what that place is now and with the charlie coast center and with the ransom short game area i mean jimmy austin's a world-class facility taylor and very deserving uh, of this region <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, I think that the, the golf course has continued to improve, just like the OU program has. It's almost like they've kind of gone hand-in-hand. Hand. I mean, Jimmy Austin's always been a phenomenal course, but over the last 10 years in particular, I think it was about five years ago or whenever, maybe a little bit sooner, where they started the redesign. You know, they, they changed whole eight around a lot. They changed uh, whole 10 through 12 a good amount. They changed nine a little bit, but they kind of just lowered the fairway. But nevertheless, I think they made some really good changes. Their course is a lot better after that Woody Woody. Uh, Woody said it perfectly in the fact that the, the bunkering is just so beautiful out there. But they are some treacherous bunkers, especially the fairway bunkers. If you get in those, you're going to be hard-pressed to even get the ball to the green. And then green side bunkers, you know, there, there's – I will say this. Whenever they first redid the course, I'll say this was probably about 10 or 12 years ago now, maybe even longer. You know, the, the bunkers had a lot of sand in them. I mean, like, a lot of sand. And it was almost to where you, you were guaranteed to plug the ball even if you had, like, a four-iron. And now there's still a good amount of sand in there, but you're a lot less likely to plug than you used to be. So I, I think that Jimmy Austin, in a lot of ways, guys, is not to the same extent as like an Augusta when it comes to evolving over the course of time and getting better, but they seem to have made subtle changes 
over the last 10 to 15 years, guys, they've been able to hold with the game of golf. And especially those holes 10 through 12 are a lot better holes than they used to be. So I, I just love the direction Jimmy Austin's going. And I think it stands out as one of the best university courses in the country. Yeah, it absolutely does. They've done some great stuff down there, and they're always making improvements. So great for you to get that regional. Great for the state. Great for college golf. Uh, get down there. If you can, May 16th through 18th. It's Monday through Wednesday of PGA Championship Week. So if, you know, like us, we're going to Southern, we're going to be up there working all week. If you've just got tickets to go out on the weekend to Southern, go to Norman. Watch the regional. Take a day. Go down there the final day when everything gets really intense on that Wednesday uh, and check it out. Also, if you love college golf, go out to Karsten Creek next week for the women's regional. I'm going to be out there next Wednesday, May 11th at Karsten Creek. When's the uh, selection show for the men? Selection show for the men is at 3 o'clock our time, Central Time, Wednesday. So we will know the regional sites. Uh, if you want to right now, GolfChannel.com, Brentley Romine, who we know got boomered last week, posted the crow. <laughs> he's got his bracketology up there. He's kind of like uh, the, the Lunardi Who's of college picking? golf. Uh, let's, I had it pulled up a second ago. <laughs> I think I still uh, – I don't know where it is. I've got too many computers. Um, but, oh, here we go. Bracketology, predicting it Norman – in Texas. He's got uh, OU going to the Norman Regional. That's going to be surprising. Uh, he's oh. got he's got Oklahoma State predicted to go down to Bryan, Texas to Traditions Club, uh, which that's uh, Texas A&M hosting, right? Yep. At Traditions? Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's their home court. I'm trying to see where he's got Texas going because Texas... Texas might not be a one When you said seed, bracketology, though. I didn't know you were talking about who goes to what regional. Oh, I thought okay. you were talking about, you know, who wins it all. Oh, so. this one's juicy, though. If his bracketology is accurate, he's got uh, Texas going to Florida. Also, Pepperdine going to the same regional at PGA National in Palm Beach Gardens in Florida. So, Pepperdine and Texas in the same regional would be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, Wednesday, we'll have those for you. So, make sure you keep an eye on everything happening in the game of college golf as it's really going to heat up over the next few weeks. And want to remind everybody to go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Ring Family Dentistry goes out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading edge technology delivering same day crowns for more than 20 years. You want it, they've got it. Implants, clear aligner, orthodontics, they do it all and all decisions are made by the patient. That is huge. They never force anything onto you. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, but they ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. Go see them at Ring Family Dentistry. Uh, Sam, we were talking a little bit yesterday about some college golf your ruse we've got another program in the summit league here in the state of oklahoma playing some really good golf yeah i should have mentioned on the radio show yesterday when we were talking about the summit league championship obviously umkc was in the whack and went to the summit league i forgot that oral roberts is in the summit league with umkc uh and oral roberts played some really solid golf yesterday get this i don't know if i've ever seen this their five guys shot 69 70 71 72 73 Wow. <laughs> so that? that was pretty wow. good. Uh, but they're in fourth place. But Denver uh, is in first at 14 under. And Carson Griggs from Tulsa uh, is tied for fourth in the golf tournament for the University of Denver. So keep an eye on that. And uh, good luck to the Ruse. That's kind of the beautiful thing um, about the conference championships is even if you have a bad year, it's winning, get in. Yeah. So, I mean, some great college golf being played uh, in the Tulsa area. Sam, great college golf being played yeah, in the Tulsa area. Right. I mean, a lot of great courses up there. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot of great, a lot of great programs. Just yeah. really, really good stuff from uh, from the Tulsa area. I whenever can't believe they don't have a team. Golf. That is ridiculous. Can you not? <laughs> All right, let's move, on. let's move on. Let's talk a little Bryson DeChambeau because Bryson DeChambeau, when, when we found out he was having wrist surgery, I think we all were kind of like, "All right, let's let's see what's going on here with Bryson." And now that I've seen the scar, I think I've totally changed my tune because whatever was going wrong in his wrist required a scar that looks like the laces on a baseball going halfway up the palm of his hand. It looks like it's swollen up the size of a grapefruit. I I don't know, Woody. You said you saw the scar. What did you think uh, of the aftermath of Bryson's surgery? I tell you, like like you, I mean, uh, you know, Bryson, good Lord, you just got to take that boy with a grain of salt. Every time he opens his mouth, I'm not sure what's going to come out of it. But he he actually was playing, obviously, hurt. And, uh, you know, we thought he might have been suspended. We thought a lot of things. But uh, bottom line is, is when you have a zipper and you're a professional athlete, it's not a good thing by any stretch of the imagination. So, Let's see. He's slowly but surely rehabbing, and uh, maybe this will tone him down a little bit. Maybe this injury was because of how hard he was swinging at it. We won't know. Nobody will tell you, but we'll see. I hope 
I hope he learns from it. If that was caused by overswinging, trying to hit it miles, maybe he needs to rethink that. Yeah, T Dub, I think that having that big of a scar on your hand is probably the worst place to have a scar it, it, as for a golfer, right? I think getting surgery on your hands is the worst place that a golfer can have surgery. Well, you know, guys, we talk about we talk about all the time, right? You know, with I would talk about back injuries, knee injuries, wrist injuries. You know, what is what is, I guess, the worst, and it's really hard to put that into context, but, you know, Tiger Woods said it best where there's only one part of your body that has any contact with the club, and that's your hand. So if you're going to have anything, like you said, the scars or any type of, I guess, in, excuse me, indention like the baseball laces on his hand are to make that grip feel any different, it's, it's going to take a while to get used to. And, you know, maybe the picture we saw, you know, there hasn't been as much healing, obviously, so maybe it'll come down. And maybe he'll just kind of get him, you know, it won't change his hand structure as much. But I definitely think that, like we saw in the video, too, he said that the doctor said he can start chipping again. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be picking up a jar of pickles with that hand, let alone <laughs> trying to swing a golf club. So, I don't know. It looks like Bryson has a long way to go, guys. And, you know, Woody makes a good point. <clears throat> if for some reason this happened from, from his speed training, which, in all honesty, I probably believe that it did happen, he's going to have to try to reinvent the wheel again like he has five times now or whatever it is throughout his golf game. So I am definitely worried about Bryson over the next few years, guys, for sure. Yeah, the official story is that he heard it playing ping pong uh, whenever he was over, I believe, in for the Saudi International earlier this year, like dove and not, – not dove, but like lunged and kind of leaned on it and ended up tearing something in there uh, doing that. I will say the one thing I think is beneficial is that it's on his left hand, which is his glove hand. So if there is any like remnants of a scar there or anything, the glove covers it. It doesn't impact your feel probably as much as if, as if it was on the bare hand side. I know, but a lot of guys chip and putt without a glove. I know. I'm, I'm probably reading into it too much there, but, you know, you have the glove yeah. protecting the scar a little bit. Maybe that helps. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, let's show a little love to Brand Joe. Brand Joe goes out, uh, finishes T2 on PGA Tour Champions this week. Steven Alker went nuts on the back nine, fires a 666, uh, and gets another win. Steve Stricker ties for second right alongside Brant Job. Uh, Woody, I know you know Brant Job. He played the uh, senior PGA at Southern Hills last year. It was pretty cool. Hasn't won on the PGA Tour Champions since 2019, but contended this week uh, and a really great week for the Oklahoman. You know what? I'll tell you what's the most fun about Oklahoma golfers. They're all good guys. I mean, you're not going to meet a better guy than Brand. Uh, he's just as good as gold. And and all these young whippersnappers you guys got coming out there, listening to Quaid today, with how, how upbeat and excited he is. We're just so fortunate in this state because we really don't have a Greg Norman that came from Oklahoma, thank goodness, right? I mean, we have got <laughs> nothing but class acts all the way through our state. So, Kudos to Brent. I, I, if this Elker wasn't going crazy, he might have snuck in there and won him one. But uh, he'll get there again. I think he will. And I think he's such a good guy. You know, like we say, the golf gods, they'll take care of him. Yeah, I think so too. And Woody, just to kind of further expand on that point, how good a guy is everybody is, uh, Taylor and I were at Oak Tree National last summer. And I almost missed my tea time because I saw Willie Wood and Brant Job out on the range. I went over and started talking to him. I'd never met either one of them. We'd had them on the podcast, but I hadn't met either one of them. Almost missed my tea time at National because I stood there talking to these guys for 20 minutes. I mean, we were just <laughs> kept talking, kept talking. And I looked down. I'm like, guys, I got to go. I got to go play golf. So just the absolute uh, best of the best here in the state of Oklahoma. Well, now, hold so. on. Hold on a second. Now, wait a minute. Were you playing in an event at Oak Tree National that you had a tea time? Yeah. I was about to say, there's no tea times at Oak Tree. <laughs> there's no tea times at Oak Tree National. Okay. That, 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 that was bogus. So, I, so yeah. I'm not an Oak Tree National guy, so I was told, you know, whatever, we're, we're teeing off at 2 o'clock. So then in my mind, I'm like, oh, we're teeing off at 2 o'clock. I guess I'm not as up-to-date on the protocols at National as I should be. Uh, that, yeah, the next time you're out there, don't worry about it. We have no tea times. It's uh, if, if, if you're late, somebody's going to go in front of you, and no, don't worry about it. Fair enough. Tea time's optional. Uh, great stuff today, fellas. Let's uh, get Sam out of here so he can go do some radio. Make sure you catch up with us later in the week. Uh, I think our plan will probably be to see what the regional sites are yep. and then get together to talk about OU, OSU, Texas, uh, and the works in college golf. We'll also give a short preview, I would imagine, Wednesday to the Wells Fargo. It's a little bit strength of field higher than Mexico, but not a ton. They moved it to TPC Potomac this year with the President's Cup being at Quail Hollow. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming up later in the week. Big thanks to Quade Cummins and good
good luck to him again this week on the Corn Ferry Tour. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.